hard to make fun of him. Like, it feels bad, right? It does. It feels like, inappropriate. Just his little sweater is just laying here on his seat. <laughs> we could make fun of his sweater. It's like he got raptured and we got <laughs> left behind. Maybe he did. That's a mystery. Maybe? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, okay. For those of us who are here, welcome to Life After the Rapture. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got a Beyond the Rapture. That's our new podcast. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Beyond Sunday. This is Pastor David. With me, as always, is Elise McCarter. Still here, still pretty successful. Not with us today, potentially because he was raptured. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Nazaroff. Uh, no, he's not been raptured to our knowledge. Um, though I haven't heard from him today, so maybe, yeah, maybe who knows? Yeah. Uh, but no, he is uh, home, taking some time off uh, as he gets ready to transition into a no- new position here at Lord of Life. Woo-hoo! This is uh, public. We can share this with everybody now. It was public adjacent when we recorded last week but not uh, right, gone right we, yet, yeah. we all knew we in the room knew yeah, yeah. but we didn't say anything because we're good secret keepers mm-hmm. so which good. people should remember as we come closer to exactly, christmas exactly yeah we can keep you got secrets. a secret i probably want to hear it that's right and we will we'll keep it that's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> all of the above uh, but no patrick is stepping into a new role of director of faith formation here at lord of life um i like to refer to it as a, a bit of a promotion he's going to be stepping into a, a new position uh it's going to involve some supervision and other stuff but he's still going to be able to be a part of the podcast still a part of our uh, community here at lord of life just stepping into a a new role so we're very excited for him uh excited for his time in the rapture we'll see uh, how it comes <laughs> see you on the other uh, side yeah, see how it goes when he comes back <laughs> and uh yeah we'll go from there so there we are that's awesome. where patrick is yeah this is where we are this is beyond sunday welcome back it's gonna be great yeah we're in october welcome to october oh my goodness spooky you're like, season you're like a big halloween fan i am right? a big halloween so fan. is this like your month is this it your is jam? Yeah, yeah i love october yeah and also in south carolina where i'm from it's usually cool but we don't get that here. Cool adjacent in South. Well, I was in. You were in Colombia, which yeah. is not. That's yeah. that's the armpit of anywhere. I think <laughs> the entire world. Yeah. Uh, my Who, grandmother. A, oh, go ahead. My grandmother used to say that she knew she was going to heaven because she'd already lived in hell because she lived in Colombia. Yeah, so. I think it was a uh, Lou Holtz was a coach for South Carolina for a while, and I think mm. he said that the only thing that separated uh, Colombia from hell was a screen door. Yeah. <laughs> like rusty hinges exactly <laughs> yeah yeah there it is uh anyway yeah so it's cooling off in some places yeah other places i've heard yeah allegedly i'm happy uh, for them what's like your october jam are you into like all the the fall stuff or are you just like halloween give me the halloween i'm into all the fall stuff i'm not so much like the pumpkin spice latte person That's i good, think that was this has gotten out of hand it was fun for like a couple years was it <laughs> i had fun with it okay. <laughs> i think let me know let me tell you how i know it has gotten out of hand uh wendy's oh no has released oh no a, yeah l- l- let me let me back up here i'm a wendy's purist right i grew up wendy's is from columbus ohio it is an ohio okay. fast food sure. you know born and bred love wendy's big wendy's fan the frosty mm-hmm. should by definition be chocolate yes right? i agree with you there should not be other flavors of frosty you can have flavors of soft serve ice cream that's fine but if right. you get a frosty that is chocolate. I know that I've raved about this in sermons before. I'm not sure I've said it on the podcast, but <laughs> this is my stance, right? Frosty, by definition, chocolate. Yeah. They've come out with a pumpkin spice frosty. Oh, boy. Let me tell you how disappointed I am in the world and also in the <laughs> Wendy's Corporation for is this it, decision. Is it orange? I have no idea. I'm not going to, I'm like refusing. I won't even go close to it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. That feels gross. The fact that I now have to like go and say, I want a frosty and they will say to you or say to me, what flavor? I'm like, no, 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 no. This is already a problem. Yeah. There, there is no flavor of frosty. I asked for a frosty. Just give me one. Yeah. It's <laughs> chocolate. Clearly. That's the only <laughs> so option. So you deliver that speech in the drive through line? I've considered it. I've yet to actually carry okay, that out. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me know when you yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll see it on the news. It yeah. will become apparent. Yeah. Pastor berates <laughs> drive through employee. <laughs> <laughs> At least for once, it'll be about something 
meaningful and not like handing them a fake $20 bill and saying, the, the real tip is the love of God. Right. right? Yeah, That's, we talked about this no. last week, didn't we? Give them a real tip. They deserve a real tip. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so if I'm going to be on the news, it's going to be for something that matters, like chocolate Frosties. That's <laughs> that's what we're taking away from this story. Where do we begin with this? <laughs> uh, your uh, feelings about fall. Oh, and you yeah. like fall things, like but fall. we're over pumpkin spice. We're kind of over pumpkin spice. Yeah. It's, this year is all about pumpkin nice. Pumpkin nice. <laughs> I see what you did <laughs> there. Super yeah. lame. So. Yeah. A little uh, pumpkin sporty spice. And, uh, yes. <laughs> scary spice, yes. for sure. There yeah. you go. <laughs> was scary spice? Was she one of the Spice Girls? There? She was, yeah. Okay. I, was, I think wait, were you a Spice Girls? I fan? wasn't allowed to listen to the Spice Girls. I I don't think there was a band. I just didn't listen to the Spice Girls. So I mean, I knew like the one song that everybody knows. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. If you wanna be my lover, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get with my friends, which makes no sense. Right. But well, I think th- I think the p- concept here is that my friends are more valuable to me than anyone that I'm dating. So if you're not gonna be good with my friends, then I'm not going to. Oh, I really misunderstood that one. What What did you think this was about? <laughs> We're mind. not going to talk yeah. about that here. Okay. Fast forward. That will be another off air uh, coming to our <laughs> other podcast <laughs> that we don't actually have. Okay. Today, uh, we're going to talk about stewardship because uh, while we're getting into October, it's the, we're back in the Bible. What an exciting topic. At Lord yeah. of Life, it is our stewardship appeal month. And so uh, mm. all month long, not to scare anybody away, but all month long at Lord of Life, Spooky we're going to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, money and resources and yeah. what we do with those resources here at Lord of Life and how we encourage people to live generous lives that God calls them to. So that's yeah. going to be what's happening in worship. So we're going to dive into the Bible a little bit and talk about what the Bible actually has to say about money today. i know and when you texted me about this topic this morning i said ugh yeah that, <laughs> like, literally said, ugh. yeah i could feel the ugh through the text that mm-hmm. i received back it's like wow she is super excited about this mm. it's gonna be great yep it's you one are, of those, like <laughs> she's like at least right now is like looking wistfully into the air as if she's just imagining <laughs> herself floating on a place. pumpkin spice cloud yeah. like yeah just get me anywhere but here yeah, yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to have some good yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, it's because got, I've got some things to say about it, I think. Yeah, you got we'll things there. to say. Th- and the best part is I know that I have a lot of things to say and I know that I come at it from a very particular uh, position as uh-huh. someone who's like studied this and yeah. you know has a profession in this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I know that that will be uh, something that will generate conversation with someone like you who <laughs> just has lots of opinions. Right, so yes. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> that's the recipe for a great episode of Beyond Sunday. So yes. stick with us. Uh, it's going to be a good one. But first, I think you've got a, a news story I for us. I do have a news story. Um, so let me just kind of ask you, high level, how do you feel about arts? Uh, like uh, p- painting, sculpture, or like all forms of artistic expression? Um, we'll say all forms of artistic expression, then we're going to narrow it down a little bit. I am pro art. I often don't get it. Okay. Do you think art discovered. is um, objective to some extent or is it purely subjective? Oh, d- definitely objective. Okay. Because I, kn- I know this because when I was in high school, middle school, some age, uh, we went to San Francisco uh-huh. and we went to the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art uh-huh. and there was a piece of art in there that was titled White Square on White Canvas. <laughs> And this person had painted a white square on a white canvas. And I was like, I looked at this and I was like, dad, because I was standing next to my dad, yeah. I could do that. Like, I'm not an artist, right? Uh-huh. I cannot draw a stick finger, but I could do that. Right. And this is apparently good enough to be in the Museum of Modern yes. Art. So somebody found this thing meaningful. I would not have looked at that. And so it's definitely subjective. Oh, you said objective. Which I, I, which surprised me because I was like, oh, most people would not say that. I, went, I, went, I said the, the wrong yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So subjective. You yes. think it's totally subjective. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, art is whatever you want it to be. So modern boom, art. Boom, sad table. Boom, sad microphone. Sad mic. <laughs> this is a Parks and Rec <laughs> reference for you. <laughs> okay. Art is anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so modern art, it sounds like you have some experience with it. A little bit. Do you like yeah. get into modern art at all? Or yeah. you kind of, yeah. I mean, if, if the opportunity is presented to me to go to an art show, yeah, I'll go and I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time <laughs> I got myself in trouble making up fake, like, uh, fake artist uh, expressions of like, you know, explaining to my friend, like, this is what this means. And like, look at this. And, th- uh-huh. and then the artist was standing behind me. Whoops. <laughs> That's kind of amazing, and, though. Yeah, it was because they were like really impressed at what I said. It's like, dude, I was totally making this Woo! up. Oh, this is awkward, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So our news story for today is a Danish artist who submitted empty frames as artwork is appealing court ruling to repay the cash. <laughs> <laughs> empty frames as artwork. Yes. Okay. To an art museum, like an official art museum. Uh-huh. Let me read this to you. It's in Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, a Danish artist who was given a pile of cash by a museum in northern Denmark to create a piece for its exhibition on labor condition two years ago <laughs> submitted two empty canvases titled Take the Money and Run. Okay. I love this a little bit. Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. We've got an entrepreneur on yeah. our hands. Especially, it's about labor conditions. I'm like, I yeah. I yeah. That. I kind of I, love it. I yeah. get where he's going. But I also, from the uh, museum's perspective, I see where they're coming <laughs> from too. <laughs> As you might imagine, the exhibit caused a little bit of a stir. Uh-huh. Uh, there's actually a picture of it here. Somebody looking, standing in front of this totally oh, love it. blank canvas. Yeah, it's like white square on right on white canvas. Trying to find <laughs> meaning in it. Yeah. Um, so a Danish court ruled last week that, ooh, uh, Jens Hanig, <laughs> that's probably not right. Nailed it. Yeah. Yep. Had to repay $69,894 to the Kunsten Museum in Alborg for having violated his contract. Um, his lawyer said Wednesday that the contemporary artist is appealing the ruling and decided sure. and declined further comment. Um, so what happened, it sounds like, is the museum con- uh, commissioned Hainig, the artist, in 2021 to recreate two of his earlier pieces oh, um, about labor conditions, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they happened to feature banknotes attached to canvases uh, that uh, represented the annual wage, the okay. average annual wage in Denmark and Austria. And instead, he submitted two empty canvases for the exhibition and said, work it out. Okay. Titled, Take the Money and Run. Okay. Um, so, he, so it does sound like there was a contractual expectation that he did not fulfill. Sure. But also, it's kind of awesome. It is kind of awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so in addition to the money that they paid him, which was the 69000 that he's been uh-huh. told he has to repay, they also gave him a stack of money to staple to these canvases Ruh-roh. that he just took yeah uh, so so he literally took all sorts of money all sorts of money and ran physical money um like the dollar yeah. bills uh-huh. the um theoretical money yeah the, uh, as, as we will learn today money is all theoretical so yeah, money is all theoretical yeah. so i don't know i i think it's kind of awesome like yeah. i've seen so many like crappy pieces of art sure. in fine art museums and i'm like who bamboozled somebody into paying for this like yeah. i have thrown away Things that my daughter has drawn that are better. <laughs> we love this. you, Gray. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, All your art is special. It's yeah. cherished in a special place forever. Yeah. I like that there's kind of a commentary attached to it. Yeah. And it's very funny. It is very funny. Yeah. Funnier for us because we're not the ones out 69,000 plus whatever number of dollars. Sure. Yeah. 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 However, I never would have known of this museum in Denmark if this guy had not done That's this. That's true. So, a little bit of the Streisand effect. One of those like no press is bad press yeah. type things. So. Yeah. All right. Well, since we're on the topic of money and robbing people, <laughs> let's uh, talk about stewardship, shall okay. we? Yeah. So uh, we'll start by acknowledging this, right? Because we're in the Bible. So we're uh-huh. going to talk about the biblical stuff, not just Pastor David's thoughts. Sure. Um, well, the Bible talks about money a lot. Mm-hmm. You want to take a guess on how many verses 
our Ooh, I'm going to say way more verses than reference the devil. Sure. And hell combined, I would think. I have not done that particular bit of research, but I probably. I, I I'd be willing to go with that. Yeah. yeah. Do you got a number? But just that I want to pull out. Yeah, like what? How many? How many? Verses. Ta- how many okay. verses? How many verses do you think make a reference to money? Ooh, I would say at least fifty. Yes, more than fifty. Two hundred. <laughs> how many verses are in the Bible? There's do you a think? lot of this. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> I aimed low. <laughs> you did aim low. I don't think fifty mentions. Money I wanted to get it right. <laughs> so I said at least fifty. <laughs> well, you definitely got the under on uh, prices yeah. right. You nailed mm-hmm. that. You did yep. not go over twenty three hundred verses. Twenty three hundred. Twenty three hundred. Okay. Uh, Eleven of thirty nine of Jesus's parables uh, make res- or make references to money uh, or involve money in mm. some way okay. in their story. Yep. And about fifteen percent of Jesus's teaching and preaching can be connected back to money. Fifteen percent. Fifteen. One oh. five. I was yeah. like, wow. <laughs> not fifty. Fifteen. Sorry for those who I uh, did not un- yeah. enunciate that clearly enough. Um, so now not. Every verse is about what should I do with my money, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that uh, 2,300 verses are like God says do this, but 2,300 verses talk about money in some capacity. And even Jesus' right. parables, right? There are a lot of places in which money is uh, used as something to describe something else, right? We right. just read a parable a couple weeks ago where money played a critical role, but the purpose of the parable was about forgiveness and about this connection to what debt looks like. And it wasn't about how to manage your money, right? Yeah. That, that was not the purpose. Um, so Alternatively, just so we're thinking about, it, you mentioned the devil and mm-hmm. uh, hell, right? A handful of verses throughout the Bible that talk about homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a couple of verses uh, where Jesus talks about divorce. A couple of verses where uh, women are not supposed to be in ministry, right? Mm-hmm. These are all big things that we make uh, big hay out of. Yeah. Um, we have a lot more, uh, a lot more evidence um, that Jesus was concerned with how people used their money and how money uh, played in the world. Um, and if anything, I think that shows us that money mattered, right? Mm-hmm. That even if Jesus is not talking about, uh, hey, this is uh, this is my advice for you on how to invest your money. Like that was not yeah. Jesus' point. Um, it still clearly has a powerful enough sway that Jesus said, this is a metaphor um, that I can use that people will connect to for generations to come, right? There's a right. lot of metaphors that Jesus, is u- that Jesus uses uh, that we don't really understand anymore, like oil in our lamps or uh, lost sheep or things like, oh, I don't know, I have never lost a sheep. I don't right. know what that means, right? And we kind of figure it out through uh, learning and through being educated. But mm-hmm. money, we're like, yep, Got I get that it. One. Yeah. <laughs> I still understand <laughs> money. And so I, I think that uh, that matters mm-hmm. for us. Um, so uh, let me ask you this then. If we have that kind of biblical sense of, okay, mm-hmm. Bible talks about money a lot. If you went to a financial advisor today, mm-hmm. stout on the street, knocked on the door, hey, look, here's a financial advisor. Uh, what would their, uh, not to you specifically, I don't need to know about your financial <laughs> habits, but what would their general generic advice be? What do you think a financial advisor would have to say? Uh, live within your means. Okay. For one thing. Seems like a good one. Yeah. for retirement. Yeah, that's a pretty common future. one. Yep. Invest, right? Yeah. Um, take a loan. Mm-hmm. You know, do, go do that thing. Uh, get the best rate on whatever you can, right? Yeah. Uh, um, don't worry about uh, credit card debt. Well, most of good financial advisors would not tell you not to worry about credit card sure. debt. You yeah. should be worried about that. Um, biblically, right, financial advisors were not a thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's not how the Bible approaches conversations about money. Uh, most people were living off the land day to day or season to season. So there was no sense of like, hey, make sure that you're investing for the future or mm-hmm. make sure that you're preparing to send your kid to college or make yeah. sure that you're going to be able to retire. There's no retirement. You work until you die <laughs> uh, or your family ca- you know, takes you in and you know they care for you that way. So um, that was not the conversation that was there. The conversations about money instead are acknowledging a really powerful force that exists in our world uh, and acknowledging its potential for both good 
and evil. Mm -hmm. That's where the Bible is coming from. So we have to kind of reframe our understanding of money generically and think, okay, what is the Bible talking about when it mentions money? And it mentions money as this generic force that is both good and has the potential for evil. Mm -hmm. um, And how is that at power and at play? So off the bat, what do we think? Yeah, I mean, I think to me, I've always thought that Jesus is really um, concerned with how you use your resources, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do you allocate your resources, which is not necessarily just money, right? Absolutely not. But it definitely includes money. And I think the hoarding of wealth and resources Uh, is a thing that he kind of hits multiple times as well. So like you said, kind of less of a like financial advisory type thing and more of a you're storing up all this and there's all these people on the fringes that are starving sure reallocate that yeah yeah i love that you use that store up metaphor uh because we're going to get to that Uh, that's uh, one of our later points yeah Um, i'm going to take a bit of a a left turn here for a moment uh we're going to talk about sabbath okay sabbath just what we expect jewish thing (laughs) (laughs) just kidding we technically have sabbath too (laughs) good lord (laughs) All right, so now that Beyond Sunday has been canceled, that was great. That's not that's disrespectful. Was it is the Jewish thing. I feel like you could have said it in a more, <laughs> I don't the know. The Jewish thing. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's <laughs> in a voice. That's definitely. All right, yes. So Sabbath, uh, its purpose, we've talked about Sabbath on the podcast before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the purpose of Sabbath is to remind us to place our trust in God for all things, okay. right? We take one day out of the week where we don't work. We don't go out and harvest our own stuff. We don't cook our own stuff. We trust that God is going to provide for all our needs. And we remind ourselves that that is actually true throughout the entire week. Mm-hmm. But we take this one day to set it apart to keep ourselves grounded in that, right? Um, money, in a similar way, is just a one of a lot of human constructs that arise out of our desire to trust ourselves more than God. Explain. I will. Okay. Okay. So um, let's think about cities for a minute. Okay. Uh, when we when God does creation, God creates a garden, mm-hmm. plants Adam and Eve in the gar- garden. Eventually they are removed from the garden. Uh, Cain kills Abel, right? We're fast forwarding through a little bit of Genesis here. Cain kills Abel. Uh, God tells Cain, I'm going to put a mark on you so that no one will touch you. Cain doesn't believe God. So Cain builds a city with a wall intrinsically to protect himself rather than trusting in God's protection, right? Okay. Because Cain is here now thinking like, okay, I'm going to build this thing because I don't trust God to protect me. Mm-hmm. Someone's still going to come and kill me because they know that I killed my brother. So I have to now protect myself. Okay. Right. Um, that's one way that we think about city or we can think about cities in that way. Uh, money. We do the same thing, right? We no longer live off the land. Mm-hmm. We no longer just bring in what we need. We no longer uh, trust that God is going to provide us with the food that we need in every season. We now say, oh, I've got this money or I've got this good, this resource, and I can trade for it. And mm-hmm. I can get what I need from this person or this person or that person. Or I can go to Amazon or I can go to Walmart or I can go to Kroger, right? And so now we've used money to say, I can guarantee that I'm going to be cared for and protected, whatever, because I can use my money to get that thing for myself. Okay. So rather than saying, I'm going to trust God to do all things for me and to care for me, I'm going to use my money to make sure that I'm always fed and housed and cared for. Mm -hmm. And so it's, again, not inherently evil. We're going to get to that in a minute, but it's one of these constructs that arise out of our desire to trust ourselves more than God. If from the beginning we were always placing our trust in God, I don't think money would exist in the same way that we have it now. Okay. So you think history would have played out in a totally different way? Yeah. Okay. I, I think that money as it exists is inherently a, a result of our sinful desire to trust ourselves rather than trusting God. 
Okay. Now, because we live in a broken world, something like money was probably inevitable. It's always kind of going to come along. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, I think that it would have looked different. And we would have interacted with it differently mm-hmm. if we had been placing our trust in God all along. Because what we would find, right, when we talk to people who take generosity and stewardship and this kind of conversation seriously is that they do interact with their money differently mm-hmm. than people who don't. And so I, I think there's an element that we can get back to this remnant of how do we interact with money and resources differently in a way that honors God and brings God back into the conversation as opposed to putting all of our trust into ourselves and into this $5 bill okay. that I have in my hand. Yep. Um, yeah. So let me pause there and I'll get your reaction for a moment. I, so I do see what you're saying. I guess kind of my initial thought, I'm probably just coming at it from a different angle than you are. My initial thought is that money and Mm -hmm. the convenience that money brings right and not everybody has to be their own farmer nope right yep it's it allows for the space of human invention to occur right it's you have more space to become a theologian theologian a deep thinker i love theologians theologians (laughs) like kenny loggins (laughs) (laughs) house on poo corner (laughs) oh man Where were we? Yeah, you have more space to <laughs> be a deep thinker. Isn't yeah. that ironic? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, a, a scientist or, yeah. you know, whatever. Insert that thing there. You have more space to pursue those things when you're not having to grow your own food yes. or hunt your own food. Um, so I I think of money as, wow, look what it has allowed humanity to do. Right? Sure. Because sure. The, those things then theoretically then Mm -hmm. make life and existence better for everybody right expands out from there yeah so this is perfect um because let's think about this for a Mm -hmm. moment uh why does the farmer require that i pay money for their product so that they can then afford things to continue farming and eating but why right but why when we break all of that down yeah this $5 bill, yeah. I'm pretending like I'm holding a $5 yeah, bill, right? waving it. <laughs> yeah. This $5 bill is a piece of paper mm-hmm. that only has any value because we all intrinsically have agreed that $5 bill equals $5. Right. We're not even on the gold standard as a nation anymore, right? No, so, yeah. So there's nothing backing that $5 bill other than our shared belief, misguided or whatever, that it has value, mm-hmm. right? So I agree. Farmers should be paid. Uh, this is not like me saying like we should all start farming and <laughs> yeah. farmers shouldn't be paid, right? Farmers should be paid. People should be paid equitably. People should be able to live. And this resource allows for a lot of great things to come, which is where we're going to go mm-hmm. next, right? But inherently, at its root, it's I think it starts in this place of us saying we need to f- figure out a way to care for ourselves and trust ourselves. Okay. Now, that said, God can use these broken and flawed human constructs mm-hmm. to bring about really good things. Right. right. Think back to the cities example. Even if cities are a result of our own broken uh, desire to protect ourselves, a lot of good things come out of cities. Right. The mm-hmm. same kinds of things that you're talking about. Places for people to to gather and to mix with other uh, other cultures and experience other uh, people's way of existing in the world. We have uh, new foods. We have new transportation. We have new inventions that make life theoretically better for everybody. Mm-hmm. A lot of good things can come out of cities. But a lot of bad things happen in cities too, right? Right, and this is not to say that bad things don't happen in the country, right? Um, but there's a lot of with that potential for good. There's also a lot of potential for homelessness and people to be left behind and mm-hmm. poverty and hunger and uh, violence and you know mm-hmm. all of those things that are uh, 
I don't want to say stereotypical, but that happened when masses of people live in close confines with one another. And so, yes, money absolutely has given us the freedom to interact in these ways that allow us to build a society that is theoretically better for everybody, but it's also brought about a lot of ways in which it's not, Mm -hmm. right? And in a lot of ways in which we continue to move that forward, Um, which gets us to our first kind of solid biblical point, right? Uh, This is maybe the most famous biblical verse on money. It's from First Timothy uh, chapter six, and it's for the love of money is the root of all kinds yes. of evil, right? Which gets mistranslated to money being the root of all evil. Exactly, yeah. and money is not the root of all evil. Yeah. And biblically, money is not right. In multiple places, uh, God, Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul, others do not have a pl- problem with money, mm-hmm. right? The problem is the love of money. Right. When we put that emphasis on this money is what matters and what has authority in my life mm-hmm. over. Uh, saying God is what matters and who has authority in my life, then we're into a spot of trouble. Sure. And I think that that at its core, if we trace it all the way back, I think that's what's at the root of money in general is that Mm -hmm. money came into existence because we said, I need this thing to be able to show this person that I can, I can buy their thing rather than just trusting God uh, to provide for me. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, this is a philosophical argument beyond either of us, but that's where I'm kind of coming from. Yeah. Okay. I was going to pause there, but we paused earlier. So I'm going to keep rolling. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So what does the Bible talk about? Uh, we do not have time to go through 2,300 no, uh, verses. No. <laughs> At least absolutely refuses. Yeah, even though it is spooky season. Yeah. Please no. <laughs> please, please dear God. Uh, you know, 11 parables would also be uh, quite a bit. So we're, yep. we're going to instead pick some themes. Right? right. We're going to pick some themes that come out. Um, the first theme that we've got is that God is a God of abundance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and everything that we have in this world is a gift, mm-hmm. right? So we look at Garden of Eden, everything is provided, right? Um, it is only after uh, they are removed from the Garden of Eden that God says to the humans that you're going to have to work until the ground and, you know, it's going to be through your hard work that you're going to be able to bring about fruits of your labor. Yeah. You know, in the garden, theoretically, everything's there. It's all provided. Yeah. Uh, when we see uh, God's banquet table described, it's, you know, rich foods and well-edged wines and everything's running over, you know, my cup overflows, right? Every, mm-hmm. all over the scriptures, we see this uh, imagery played out of God uh, being a God of abundance. Um, God cares for the flowers and the birds. We hear Jesus talk about this one, right? How much more is God going to care for us? Um, everything we have is a gift. Mm-hmm. And th- this is probably where we and our modern culture get more caught up than anything else, right? Because we've grown up in an American society that says... I did this thing, right? Right. Uh, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. <laughs> um, I can. I got that degree. Mm-hmm. I made or I got that job. I created that thing. I invented that thing, and we forget all the things that went into us being able to do that. Right. right. Whether it was the people who supported us, or the professors who taught us, uh, or the um, I don't know what other good examples, right? Even like just coming to work today, right? Mm-hmm. Someone had to pave the road. Someone had to build my yeah. car. Someone had to get the gas out of the ground to put in my car. Someone yeah. grew the food that I'm eating. Someone built this building that we're in. Someone mm-hmm. made this microphone that we're speaking into, right? All of these things are not the product of my own doing. Even if this podcast, this conversation between you and me, this is our thing, right? right. But it's here because other people are involved in it. And ultimately it's here because it's a gift from God. Um, and so biblically, when we want to talk about resources and money we start from god is a god of abundance Mm -hmm. everything we have is a gift yep i don't think that we always start that in the i don't think we always start this conversation in the right place but that's where i think it should be starting Mm -hmm. yep i think that's different than other conversations i've heard about money in the church how so I, i don't think that um 
I just don't think I've heard it started that way. Like the God yeah. is a God of abundance. I've heard that everything is a gifts part and therefore you selfish animal <laughs> you <laughs> put it you in the offering you plate. selfish rotten beast <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but not you know that there is abundance right to yeah. go around and so yeah. it, therefore you holding things with like an open hand versus a closed fist yeah should come more naturally yeah uh, and you know in your defense right uh it's not a message that the church has done well at proclaiming no um, oh the church runs on money when it, it comes does. down to it the church runs on wealthy people kind of yeah and I, I yeah it runs on people's generosity right yeah. whether or not that's wealth or i mean different churches uh, mm-hmm. are in different communities right um but it certainly runs on people's generosity it runs on money right because mm-hmm. we have to pay for things because right. we live in the society in which we live um so it's yeah the problem is that the church historically has approached it from a perspective of scarcity mm-hmm. right and we've said oh we don't have enough to pay the light bill so hey people uh, you need to pony up so that we can pay the light bill. Yeah. Or, you know, we need X so that we can do this resort or we, we can do this building campaign or we need uh, Y amount so we can replace an air conditioner. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than messaging it from a place of, you know, God is abundant and God has already in this room, or in this space, provided the resources that we need. Yeah. And so we know that God is abundant. And so we know that there's going to be opportunities for people to step up and express God's abundance so that we can fix an air conditioner, fix mm-hmm. a roof, right? Because those things have to happen. Right. They're not unimportant, <clears throat> but how we message them historically uh, has not always been great. And right. part of that is generational. Uh, this is something that uh, people who work in stewardship stuff all the time uh, as like a profession, they'll tell you, right? You, We have to speak to different generations of people differently mm-hmm. because different things appeal, right? If you right. are from the baby boomer generation, you are probably more likely excuse me you are probably more likely to be uh, interested in helping maintain a facility and an institution and saying yep i want to give to a building campaign because this building matters and i'm invested in that right right? if you are uh in gen x you probably don't care at all sorry (laughs) Uh, if you're a millennial or a gen uh z is that the The, i reckon yeah yeah reckon Who knows? I don't even know what that is. At this point, we've got multiple generations coming up behind us. If you're in these younger generations, Mm -hmm. right, you're probably much more interested in seeing like, oh, the church (laughs) is really passionate about giving to X ministry. And Mm -hmm. I can see how my generosity is affecting, you know, homelessness in our area or uh, how it's uh, keeping kids uh, in fed in schools or how it's, you know, giving them the right. You're probably much more invested. Both things matter. um, But the messaging is sometimes a little bit more specific. a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, so God is a God of abundance. Mm-hmm. That's where we start the conversation. And the church historically has not done that well. Mm-hmm. Where we have tended to start, <laughs> and you're probably familiar with this one, mm-hmm. is the idea of tithing. Yes. Yes. What do you think about tithing? Just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, I opened a can. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm well, sorry, listeners. I think that there is baggage attached to it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think maybe for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, definitely for me, uh, but there's been this idea, at least the way that I've understood tithing, is that you are it's just a thing you are supposed to do no matter what, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what your cir- circumstances are, what your season of yep. life is, what your personal goals are. You're supposed to just take it straight off the top and not ask any questions about it. Yeah. And I have maybe had a little bit of a difficult time with this concept. I find it um, hard to believe that you have a difficult time taking hmm. orders. <laughs> <laughs> Anything telling me what to do? Yeah. yeah. I find that challenging. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't match up with my experience of you. Right. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> okay. What do you got? I'm changing the subject. Uh, <laughs> I would like to just not even have to think about it off the top. 
yeah. give that money to something that I believe in, right? Like, yes, I would like to be able to do that. There have been seasons of my life where if I do that, I am not able to meet my personal goals that I have mm. for that season. Sure. Whatever that is. If it's going to school, if it's buying a house for my family, you know, that kind of stuff. If I shoop straight off the top 10% or whatever it is, it's just not happening. Like, it's not. And so I have struggled with that concept. Yeah. And I would like to be able to not burst into a ball of flame whenever somebody tells me to tithe. <laughs> mm, yeah. Okay. Well, let's so. start by trying to not burst into a ball of flame while yes. on this podcast. Are you about to tell me to tithe? I'm not going to tell you to tithe, okay. but we're going to talk about tithing. Okay. Um, because I, I think there's a number of uh, misconceptions uh, about it, um, in part because it's been, again, poorly taught and it's been taught yes. from a perspective of scarcity, right? Rather right. than being taught from a perspective of God's abundance. Right. So to me, I will just like, put a a caveat here is that like charitable giving to me feels much different than tithing, right? Like I do charitably give Uh kind of regardless of what season I am so far. I mean, I might reach ones where even that feels like a stretch, right? You know, I don't want to, to discount that possibility. Um, But that feels like much freer and it comes from a more authentic place for me than like, here's 10% yeah, yeah. Like so, begrudgingly. <laughs> you know. So let, let's get into it for a little bit, right? So uh, the concept of tithing, uh, the word tithe uh, comes from the Hebrew uh, word that I can't pronounce um, that literally just means 10 or 10th, right? And mm-hmm. so it's come to mean for us 10% or a 10th yeah. of whatever it is. And one of the first places that we see this referenced, um, not the first, but one of the first places where it's like an instruction mm-hmm. uh, is from Leviticus chapter 27, verse oh, 30. Oh, Leviticus. Yeah, you know it's good yeah, when we're getting into Leviticus. Yeah. <laughs> All right, all tithes from the land, whether the mm-hmm. seed from the ground or fr- or the fruit from the tree are the Lord's. They are holy to the Lord. Mm-hmm. All right, so the intention here, uh, and this is uh, what well, was happening for the early Israelites, is that the first uh, tenth of anything that you grew, right, because all of them were growing things, and some of them were growing animals, and some of them were growing uh, fruit trees or olives or whatever. I don't know, olives mm-hmm. on trees or, yeah, olives are trees. Oh, I yeah, actually know. olives are on trees. Yeah. I'm, Sounds I, right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, don't ask me about peanuts. I still don't understand. <laughs> peanuts are a mystery. Yeah. Uh, all uh, 10% of that, right? That tithe, all of the tithes from the land belong to God. Mm-hmm. Now the question would be, why? Why do this needs to? Why does this need to belong to God? So Israel's tithe went to support the tribe uh, known as the Levites. And the okay. Levites were responsible for upholding the faith throughout the whole community. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't working the land. Right. Okay. Um, so this was they were connected to the the priests were a part of the Levite uh, group, but the Levites would have been spread throughout the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little extra biblical history, right? Uh, Israel moves into the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. Land gets divvied up between the twelve tribes, except the Levites don't get a plot of land. Okay. They're divvied up amongst all the lands, so that the Levites are living amongst the Benjamites and amongst the. Uh, tribe of judah and all the other tribes right and in there they are responsible for upholding the faith and Mm -hmm. and keeping that going and so they're not working the land and so the community then is responsible for caring for them through this 10 percent. so the Mm -hmm. first 10 percent that you give um you give back to god and through that you're content or you're supporting this tribe of levites who otherwise would not be able to feed themselves or their families right sure now on top of this there were additional tithes that okay. were later on prescribed uh, through uh, Levitical and, uh, well, I don't know about Levitical, uh, through laws of Israel, right? I can't guarantee it was in Leviticus, which would be specifically Levitical. Right. Anyway, um, so uh, there were ties that uh, you would give to support festivals, mm-hmm. essentially supporting the work of the 
what we would now call the church, right? But supporting the work of the temple and, mm-hmm. uh, or what would become the temple saying like, oh, well, we've got Passover every year and that costs money. And we've got um, uh, Shabbat festivals that need to happen. And we've got Pesach that needs to happen. And right, these things cost money to put mm-hmm. these things on. So uh, people were expected to give another 10% to support those in certain years. And then there was often another 10% that was expected to give to support the poor because not everybody can work the land. Not right. everybody has that. So you're now looking where the average Israelite was probably expected by law, God's law, but also civic law, right? Those two were the same at the time, uh, to give 20 to 30% of what they grew in order to support uh, the religious leaders, the community's religious practices, and the poor. Mm -hmm. Those were the three functions of the tithe, right? Um, You gave it to God, and by giving it to God, you're supporting the religious leaders, the religious practices, and the support of the poor, mm-hmm. but probably 20 to 30% of what you were growing. Cause pe- most people were not getting paid at this point. Um, you were growing this stuff for your, for yourself and for your family. Mm-hmm. Later on, we'd develop into landowners and, you know, having day laborers and stuff like that. Um, most people were probably just working the land and mm-hmm. doing this on their own and then giving those crops away or okay. not away, but giving these crops to, to God. So that's tithing in its most, I don't want to say pure, but mm-hmm. in its most basic biblical sense. Okay. Thoughts framework for that. Does this, uh, does this feel any better? Yeah, it, it's almost like, um, ooh, I don't even know how to say this without it probably being a little bit controversial. It's almost like a as communist. If you've ever, as, <laughs> as if you've ever worried about being controversial before. Yeah, I do worry about it. I just do it anyway. <laughs> there you go. That's what we're looking for. Um, it's almost communist? Is it's, that it's almost like yeah. a almost like a communist approach sure. to things. It's like a, like a government level redistribution right yeah, yeah. So. The, the, I, I would say the problem with modern communism there's tons of problems with modern communism right. one of the main ones yeah uh, is that it's always come through a social dictatorship that has <laughs> resulted in a lot of violence and oppression and sure doing yeah um communism as an economic system mm-hmm. has a fair bit of standing within the biblical context right i'm not saying that jesus if he were alive today would be like yeah bud we should all be communists i don't know that that's true but it's not our lord and savior capitalism either right yeah yeah and i don't think jesus would be all about uh the capitalist market that we have either because yeah. all again right we're in a broken system and mm-hmm. with great potential for good comes great potential for bad which yep. i think is true of cop or capitalism and probably communism also yes. um okay so this has molded into our modern understanding Mm-hmm. of tithing right and so now it's this idea the first 10 percent or first 10 percent of my income mm-hmm. right because i'm not growing much i could give lord of life a couple cucumbers out of my <laughs> garden every year it would be real sad <laughs> right i don't think that's going to go far to yeah. rebuild the church um but the first 10 percent of our income goes to the church um god instructs the tithe to support those three things right mm-hmm. supporting the religious leaders supporting the practices of the church and supporting the poor mm-hmm. um and god instructs the tithe to put our trust back in god mm-hmm. right the tithe is this reminder that even when you take this 10 percent off or in israel's case this 20 to 30 percent off i god am still going to care for and provide for you mm-hmm. right you don't need this bounty because i'm in a god of an abundance i know the abundance that i've given you and i'm going to care for you in the in what seems like less of an abundance to you but it's still abundance right mm-hmm. um that that's a piece of the tithe framework right that god yeah. is saying to us I know you think you need this 100%, but watch what I can do in your life with with this 90%. Yeah. Right? When you take that first 10% off the top, uh, look what I can still do with this, and I can show you what that abundance can still look like. That's the the framework that's being Mm -hmm. offered for us today. What God does not say is that we should give to organizations that do good work in the world. 
right? That is not the instruction of the tithe. Right. Um, a really common uh, rationale that I hear a lot, in fact, you were mentioning this earlier, right, mm-hmm. is that I do charitable giving mm-hmm. and charitable giving is great. I have no problems with charitable giving. Um, the Red Cross is, a, I don't know. It's pretty, fine-ish. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. There are probably other better organizations out there, right? Right. You know, local food pantries are mm-hmm. really good resources. Um, you know, ministries, not even, uh, I call them ministries because mm-hmm. that's just my generic term for referring to them, but you know, places that are doing good work for homelessness or for mm-hmm. housing people or for healthcare, or what, right? There are all sorts of really good and valuable uh, opportunities for us to give charitably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a common rationale that I hear is I give 10% of my income, just not to the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, historically i get this because churches have not always been handled in such a way that i would want yeah. to give 10 percent to them we right? don't have the levites anymore we don't have the levites so, anymore yeah. yeah and we have a lot of uh clergy who have abused wealth and power mm-hmm. uh and not even just uh, clergy individually but uh the churches more broadly on a uh, systemic level have mm-hmm. abused wealth and power um and so there are a lot of really good and legitimate reasons to be like skeptical of mm-hmm. giving any church like 10% and be like, is this the best place? Is this the best investment for me to make? Right. But again, that's coming from a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. When I approach this question, I say, is this the best investment? Am I going to get the best return on my investment for this? I'm immediately limiting uh, my view of the abundance that God has offered. Mm-hmm. And frankly, God doesn't care uh, from the biblical mindset. When God talks about a tithe, God says, do it and let me show you what I can accomplish with what's left, mm-hmm. right? Because once you do it, it's not about what happens to that 10%. That 10% is gone. The Levites were not always great, right? This was not right. like some perfect system back in the day, but God still said, do it. Not because the Levites were perfect, mm-hmm. not because the temple system was perfect, but because God was more concerned with you putting your trust and your faith back into God to care for you rather than trusting in your money to care for you. Yes, I. So that same social structure doesn't exist anymore, though. Sure. So are we saying that that tithe instruction carries over? Mm. So as Christians, uh-huh. depending on who you talk to, <laughs> we always have to have that caveat. Yeah. Uh, the short version of that is yes. Okay. Right. Uh, tithing uh, has kind of become a generic term for giving to the church. Right. Mm-hmm. That when we tithe, we're giving to the church. Um, but theoretically. I shouldn't say theoretically. In the Lutheran Church, tithing has become voluntary rather than compulsory, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In the in the time of the Levites, everybody did it, right? right. That was the law of the land. Um, but now we're not required by law to give that money to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, even Lord of Life, we don't like look for everybody's W twos and say, "Okay, uh, show us your income, and then we'll tell you how much you owe." And until you pay it, we're not going to show up to your hospital bed, right? We don't. Right. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, it's voluntary, right? But the principles behind the tithe are the same, mm-hmm. right? So the, the the practice and the enforcement has changed. Enforcement is maybe not the right word, mm-hmm. but the, the practice and the way that we uh, carry it out has changed. But the the principles that God lays out of, I want you to do this thing because I want you to see what happens when you place your trust in me yeah. rather than placing your trust in these resources, that has not changed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I say that not because I doubt you, but because I doubt myself, just to be clear. Yeah. 
Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Pastor David jumping in in real time. Uh, During the original recording of this episode, Elise and I went into a story that we later realized uh, involved some people we had not had a chance to consult as to whether or not they were comfortable having that story shared. And so we went ahead and pulled that story out of the recording. Uh, You will hear Elise and I make a slight nod to the story later on, um, but it's in no way integral to our conversation moving forward. So now, back to the episode. But let's imagine this for a moment, right? Mm. If you uh, went to your doctor. Okay. And your doctor told you you have uh, this illness. Okay. Uh, and I need to know everything about your medical history mm-hmm. in order to know what medication I need to give you um, to help you heal this, right? The, the illness is treatable, but I need to know absolutely everything about your medical history. Okay. Are you going to lie to your doctor about your medical history? Are you going to tell your doctor, you know what, it's my business whether or not I smoke or not, or it's whether or not I drink no, or no. not? I'm not lying to my doctor about my right. medical history. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's not exactly the same. No, it's not. <laughs> but let, let's think about it for a minute. How we use our money uh-huh. is an integral part of our spiritual health. Okay. Right? And we trust our pastors to care for our spiritual health. That's, mm-hmm. That is our role, is to be our spiritual leaders uh, within this context. And when we say things like, it's my business and no one else's, mm-hmm. we're essentially saying, you don't need to know if I smoke or not. Just fix me. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's not that the the uh, the doctor is going to say oh you, you smoke two packs a day that's the problem you, you know, right mm-hmm. and maybe you come to the pastor and say i'm not giving right now because of x y and z or i'm not giving because i'm mad about this or i'm giving this but i want to be able to do that right yeah the conversation is more valuable than the actual result mm-hmm. the result matters right eventually the result matters but it matters much for, more for your spiritual health and your spiritual journey than it matters than it should matter to a particular pastor or to a mm-hmm. particular functioning of a congregation, right? Yeah. This, again, this is approaching from the, the con- conversation from a perspective of abundance rather than from scarcity. Yeah. If I'm calling you saying people aren't giving enough and everyone on council needs to tithe, I'm approaching this conversation from a position of scarcity. Right, which is what happens. Right. And but, Which is, and give us an amount that you're willing to commit sure. to. Sure. But if I approach this conversation from we trust that the abundance of God is already present in, present in this room. Right. And we want to encourage everyone on council to be a part of expressing that abundance. Yeah. How can we help you do that? Right. How can we help you on your spiritual journey? That's to, a different conversation. A very different conversation. Yeah. It gets us to the same point. Right. Maybe. I, yeah. Well, I, I think it gets us to a better point. If yeah. I'm being honest, yeah. it gets us to the same result of having a conversation about money. Right. Let me say it that way. Um, what I tend to find and this is often hard for people to hear, Uh Um, but what I tend to find is the people who are most adamant that uh, giving should be private and no one else should know what I give Uh are the people who are the the least generous or the least least comfortable with their expression of generosity, right? Because because maybe generous for them is a very different thing because of their financial circumstances. But for one reason or another, they're not comfortable with their generosity with where they are in their generosity and they don't want to talk about it people who are comfortable with their generosity whether it's a ton of money or a little bit of money people who are comfortable with their generosity have no problem talking about giving and having other people know what they're giving and how they're giving Mm -hmm. in my in my experience yeah that's not a perfect answer right but i think that when we reframe our mindset around giving Uh it reframes how we have these conversations as well yeah maybe I don't know. You hold now. That's okay. Problem, it's like almost nobody's having the conversation the way that you exactly. and I just had this conversation. Exactly. Right? Like that's not, and that's, that's not the conversation that I've had. I'm with you hundred percent. And I think that it can make other people feel really, even the thing where people are, you know, really open about how much they give and stuff that can make other people feel really awful. It can. You know? 
Yeah. When it's not done well, yeah, all of all of these conversations can be terrible. Because again, where did we start? Right. We started from this human construct that God has said, okay. You've got this thing yeah. that from the beginning you've been using because you put your trust in it rather than in me. But I'm going right. to try to use it for good. But there's still all that potential for evil out right. there, right? The love of money is still the root of all <laughs> kinds of yeah. evil. And you're absolutely right. You know, with this great power to do these good things also comes this great ability to be incredibly destructive, even when we're trying to do it for the sake of the church, right? Yeah. The Levites eventually this process was incredibly destructive and the temple became this massive power structure that jesus went in and turned over temple or turned over tables yeah, that saying, went like, well, didn't this it? is all like yeah. this is for not even though the temple existed because the people were following the tithing practices yeah. right the temple was built because people were doing this thing and still jesus goes and goes this is not it yeah right and again um this is this is where we want to kind of wrap up. I'm not going to get to my last point because we're already, you know, pretty far into this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe this should be a series, but it's not going to be because uh, Elise can't handle <laughs> I it. Can't, yeah, <laughs> I'm in for one. That's right. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is a journey, mm-hmm. right? This isn't like a switch that we can flip and all of a sudden, oh, now I give 10% every day and I feel great about it all the time. But it is a journey that God says, look, I want you to see what can happen when you put your trust in me rather than putting your trust in your own resources. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to show you that abundance that can happen. And that journey takes place over time. And so God wants us to care for ourselves, right? God, investment and retirement did not exist in, when the Bible was being written. But I'm fairly confident that God and Jesus would not have any problem with us saying, yeah, we have a system set up in which we live, in which we cannot escape, that requires us to save for the future and find a way to retire. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus might say there are better ways to do it than we're doing it, yeah. right? But I think yeah. there's a better way to, to do it than we're doing it. Yeah, I have very little argument yeah. with that. Um, but God wants us to be able to care for ourselves. Mm-hmm. God wants us to be able to do those things. God also wants us to be putting our trust in God mm-hmm. first and relying on God first. And money often stands in our way of doing that. Mm-hmm. We often look at our income right and i'll say this for myself too right we look at our income and we start looking through okay we've got to pay for child care we got to pay for preschool we got to pay for the car we got to pay for a new roof we got to pay for x y and we look at all these things and we're like, there's no way that that 10 percent can come out mm-hmm. right and i i completely understand and respect anybody who makes that claim god's offer is still to say trust me and see what i can do now is God's love hinge on us doing that perfectly? No, right? God, God loves the person who walks into church every Sunday, never giving a dime and sitting on millions. Mm-hmm. And God loves the person who walks into church every Sunday, um, never giving a dime and sitting on nothing. And God loves the person uh, who walks into church every Sunday and gives millions out of their millions. And God loves the person who walks into church and gives what little they have out of what little they have, right? Mm-hmm. God's love is assured for all of those people. Salvation in Jesus Christ is assured for all of those people. Tithing is not a path to salvation. Giving to God is not a path to salvation, right? All of that, we're still Lutherans. That's all still the free gift of grace that is given abundantly, abundantly to us, right? And yet, in that gift of grace, there's an opportunity to trust God Mm -hmm. in new ways. And that's what this conversation is about. And all October right? Because we're kind of coming to a wrapping up point, right? Mm -hmm. All October, that's the story that we're trying to tell. And we're trying, I don't know that we're always going to succeed perfectly because I'm not the only person who's saying it, right? But we're trying to make sure that the messages that get out around this conversation are rooted in this idea of, look, 
we know the abundance is already here, right? We know the abundance is already in the room because we believe in a God who is abundant. And we don't need to go out and find 500 new people to mm-hmm. give to support this. We don't need to go out and find, uh, you know, some bank loan to come in and do this. We know that you people in the room have a God who has provided for you abundantly in different ways. Mm-hmm. And we want to invite you into a journey with us of what it means to share those resources to see what God can do with them out in the world. Yeah. So I have a question. Yeah. Which is, it is related, but it's a little bit of a tangent. I love tangents. Before coming in, I was kind of mulling over. Yeah. 55 minutes in is where our best tangents happen. Oh boy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize we'd been going for that long. No, it's all right. Um, But the scripture where, uh, you know, Jesus kind of says, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through mm. the eye of a needle than it is for a rich, rich man. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How do we reconcile that with this conversation of abundance? Yeah. Like, what, where do we sit on that? Yeah. So there are a number of ways that people have tried to historically interpret mm-hmm. this. Um, people have tried to say, oh, well, the eye of the needle was like a, a gate and a wall and a rich men would have to like kneel down to come through it. Or mm-hmm. not, sorry, not rich. Uh, camel. camel. Yeah, yeah. Camels would have to like get on their knees to go through mm-hmm. it and they can't walk like that. And so it's like impossible. <laughs> the point of the, the point of the parable, at mm-hmm. least as I take it, right, is that when Jesus talks about the rich man, it's someone who has put their trust in money. Okay. Right. Um, And if we are putting our trust in money, Mm -hmm. it's going to be easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle, a a literal needle, not a hole in a wall. Right. Right. Uh, It's going to be easier for that than for us to be in a place where we're prepared to enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. That's followed up with the rest of the story. Jesus saying for man it is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. Right. It is possible for God to change a rich man's heart uh, and to, to, bring about a new a new way of viewing the world, a new way of viewing uh, the place in which we live so that we can enter that needle, right? Mm-hmm. God can make a camel go through an eye of a needle. God can stop up the water and let the people cross on dry land. God can uh, stop up the rains and cause the floods. God is capable of all of these things, right? So again, wealth is not the thing that stops us from salvation. <clears throat> wealth might be the thing that is hindering our spiritual health Mm-hmm. Right, um, but it's not the thing that uh, hinges on salvation, or that hi- salvation hinges on. Okay, yeah. Did I get to an answer there? I think so. I think that that was actually a related tangent. I was worried that Look at it wasn't going to be <laughs> tied it all right back in. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's uh, uh, mm. helpful. And I, I, again, I think I'll, I'll just reiterate this because I think this is worth saying again. Right, this is a journey, mm-hmm. and I don't expect anyone to hear this podcast and run out and be like, done, Pastor David, sold. Here's 10% of every paycheck that I get for the rest of my life. I don't expect that to be your journey. Uh, Or any of our, I I was looking at you, so I just want to specify you or any of our listeners, right? I hope nobody hears this podcast (laughs) 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 right now. (laughs) Least listen to episode. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, what Mm -hmm. I do hope is that this podcast and these conversations can be an opportunity for us to reflect on our own spiritual health, hopefully with, uh, people who we trust to have conversations about our spiritual health with mm-hmm. to say, how am I trusting God in my own life? And how am I relying on myself and my resources in my own life? And is that the balance that I want to strike, right? The the verse that we didn't get to talk about, uh, this is from Matthew chapter six, uh, uh, 19 through 21 ish. Uh, it's, you know, store, or store up your treasures in heaven, not here on earth, right? The end of that verse is where your treasure is there your heart will be also, mm-hmm. right? Your heart follows the treasure. Where are you 
uh, storing up your resources? Are you storing up those resources uh, in connecting with God in new ways? Or are you storing up those resources because you're worried that God's not going to take care of you? And there are lots of ways in which we can store up our resources and still be trusting God, right? Investing is a real thing. Retirement is a real thing. These are important parts of the conversation. Um, but there are also a lot of ways in which we're doing it wrong and in which God is inviting us into something different. And again, it's not about God's love. That's ours done over. It's about being invited into a new way of living. Yeah. All right. I feel like I ended on a downer and I didn't mean to. <laughs> Sorry out there in podcast land. Um, any final thoughts? I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, this was a longer episode than I think either one of us anticipated. Yeah. Oof, but it was good, I hope. Sorry. I had a lot to say. I hope <laughs> it was good. Yeah, you had four pages of notes. I did, but it, big big type, big type. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for listening uh, this week. And always, if you enjoyed this episode, or frankly, even if you didn't, let us know. We want to hear. If you are still with us, uh, send us an email at beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you think about tithing or any other these other experiences. Let us know some bad experiences you've had with tithing. I had one experience. I wasn't at this church, but I had a, a pastor who had been to a church in... Uh, and Columbus at the time where the uh, pastor took the plate, took the offering plates up and like shook them after they got them. Like, oh my gosh. Nope. We're going again and passed the plates again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so if you got like a story like that, yeah. we want to hear that too. Um, beyond Sunday podcast at gmail.com. Find all our episodes at beyond Sunday podcast.com. And Patrick says something here about having a great week, I think. So yeah, have a great week, everybody. We'll be back next week with more beyond Sunday.